This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. The Department of Housing and Urban Development last week filed a suit against Facebook for violating the Fair Housing Act. HUD accuses the social media giant of allowing advertisers on the site to act in a discriminatory fashion based on race, familial status, disability, and even zip codes. Facebook was reportedly surprised by this move by HUD, which came just one week after the company settled five other lawsuits alleging discriminatory advertising and promised to change its ad-targeted processes moving forward. So will Facebook take the necessary steps to do so? Jennifer Goldback is director of the Social Intelligence Lab and Professor of Information Studies at the University of Maryland. Eric Goldman is a law professor at Santa Clara University and director of the High Tech Law Institute at the school. Jen, great to have you back with us. Eric, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you. Great to have you with us. I guess, Eric, take us, if you can, first a little deeper dive into the into exactly what has been going on, because from what I read, this is something that has been taking place over the last couple of years with Facebook and its advertisers. Yeah, Facebook set up a self-service advertising tool, uh, which lets advertisers um, run ads without uh, any uh, meaningful human review. Um, In theory, that's a good thing. We've had self-service ad tools for a while. But Facebook allowed that tool uh, or built that tool so that advertisers could customize their ad delivery to particular uh, uh, micro-targeted niches, um, including targeting ads based on what I'll call protected classifications. Um, so it isn't that um, uh, self-service ads are new, and in fact, there could be situations where targeting based on protected classifications is okay and in fact expected. But in the context of housing and uh, employment and finance, um, that creates a real problem, and that's what Facebook's been fighting ever since. And so the violation that that HUD is saying of the of the Fair Housing Act comes into the fact of of of, of the types of advertisements that are being brought forward and the impact or lack of impact that it is having on uh, various uh, various peoples across the U.S. Yeah, right. So the idea is that uh, advertisers shouldn't be engaging in discrimination when they're running ads for housing or employment or credit. Um, But uh, the tool enables that. Um, And the interesting move here is that in addition to uh, being upset about the uh, advertisers' behavior, um, the uh, plaintiffs, both HUD and the private plaintiffs who sued uh, Facebook, um, are claiming that Facebook's responsible for having configured the system in that way that allows those kinds of disparate impacts to occur. So, Jen, are, are they responsible as as is being accused of uh, Facebook? Yeah, I mean, I I think this is definitely one of those weird borderline cases. Um, You know, Facebook is allowing this sort of thing to happen, but at the same time, the advertisers are absolutely the ones who are responsible for this. So, uh, you know, I don't know if it's possible for HUD or, you know, the ACLU who filed some of these earlier lawsuits to go after the individual companies who are placing these ads. they they hold, I think, the primary responsibility for this. But obviously, you know, Facebook is allowing this kind of thing to happen. Um, and as a publisher of these ads, which is different than a publisher of just like someone's regular posts, I think they definitely hold some responsibility for allowing it to happen. But the fact that, that Facebook apparently before this lawsuit w- actually came out in the public, that that Facebook had settled with these other instance, other cases and said that they were in the process of trying to change this. It is an interesting timing issue here, Jen. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, you know, I think Facebook was really surprised by it, and they, they put out some statements saying so. Uh, from what I can tell, it seems like the reason that HUD may have gone ahead with this is because Facebook was unwilling to share some data with them. Uh, Facebook is sort of notoriously private about releasing data about users and uh, and advertising, and certainly you can understand some of that. You don't want Facebook giving your profile information out, uh, you know, because there's potentially a lawsuit against them. Uh, at the same time, you know, Facebook is very reticent to share this sort of information, which we've seen, you know, in the 2016 election advertising issue. We've seen it kind right. of over and over. And so I think, and this is just sort of speculation from what I've been able to discern, but I think HUD maybe went ahead because they really want to check on this in a, a regulatory way that, you know, the ACLU doesn't have that role. And if Facebook wasn't willing to give them the information to really show how this was working, uh, you know, they feel like this is their best option. Eric? Yeah, um, I, I agree with everything Jen said. Um, she said it well. Um, but it, it's hard not to start wrapping my head around conspiracy theories. So let me just offer up a couple other possible hypotheses about why HUD pulled the trigger in light of the settlement. Um, these are speculation, obviously. I think Jen's explanation is the most likely. Um, having said that, there are two other reasons why HUD might have pulled the trigger. One is that HUD decided that they want to put Section 230 into play and that this is the the battleground that they'd want to pick uh, to do so. Um, and I, I don't know if we're going to talk more about Section 230. It basically says that websites aren't liable for third-party content or advertising. Right. And so HUD might have decided this is a chance for them to establish some boundaries around that law. The other hypothesis is that perhaps HUD thought that this was a chance to, to uh, make some law about algorithmic discrimination. The idea isn't that Facebook expressly enabled discrimination, but their algorithms might steer people in uh, advertisers in the wrong direction, even if Facebook were to remove the criteria um, that are protected classification. So another speculation is that maybe this is a chance for HUD to try and draw some boundaries around what's going on under the hood in Facebook's advertising algorithm. Um, I still think that Jen's explanation is the best uh, explanation, um, but I can't wrap. I, I still can't wrap my head around HUD's move. But that that issue you bring up with Section 230 does, as you lay it out, it, it makes you think that maybe this is, to a degree, Eric, a first step in trying to regulate some of the activity on the on this site. Well, there's a lot of people interested in regulating uh, Internet activity, including trying to carve back or eliminate Section 230, which has become a very foundational law for the Internet. It's what primarily powers user-generated content websites. Um, so every regulator has their own angle for why they don't like Section 230, and perhaps HUD saw this as their chance to put their stamp on the particular uh, law. Jen, your thoughts? Yeah, um, I kind of hope some of Eric's theories are right, actually. Uh, they don't feel too conspiracy theorists to me. Um, you know, for se the Section 230 issue, I, you know, I, I generally think we don't just want to do away with 230, which some people have been talking about lately. I think it's, it's really important. Uh, at the same time, if you're a company who's taking money, for the content that you're sharing, I think there is a space there to maybe have some more regulation. And so I think it could be really interesting to look at an exception in that advertising space where it's not just a user posting content, you can't possibly monitor that, but where people are paying you to show content. So I think that would be interesting. Um, 
And the algorithmic discrimination question that Eric raised is really interesting. I think this is a place where we're maybe going to see some of the first regulation, both in the artificial intelligence space and in the social media space, is where these algorithms can be really terribly discriminatory, even in non-explicit ways. You know, here, Facebook's being charged with, uh, you know, allowing people to explicitly discriminate based on race or gender. Right. Well, um, I th- yeah. go ahead, Jen. Oh, go ahead. No, just this can be done in more subtle ways with algorithms, and I think it's something that we absolutely need to keep an eye on. So this could be an interesting way to start that. Well, Eric, I don't think there's much question. I think when you're talking about in this world of big data that we live and the targeting that does go on uh, of specific likes and wants of a particular consumer, that there are going to be at times, and this not to justify it, but there are going to be times where other people are going to be eliminated from that particular type of an ad post. Yeah, I think that's right. And that's, I think, an intrinsic part of allowing targeting is that even if you don't allow targeting based on gender, there's a bunch of proxies that could be used that might not be perfect, but good enough to effectively re-implement a gender-based discrimination. You could pick, pick any other protected classification, and all of those will be amenable to that same kind of proxy-based discrimination. Um, Having said that, there may not be really any good solutions about that other than limiting or eliminating the ability to do ad targeting. And if you read HUD's complaint, that may be one of the directions they're trying to go. They actually think it's a bad thing that people don't get to see ads that they don't want. And to me, that seemed really backward. Um, The logical extension of HUD's conclusion is that more people should be getting more ads that they don't want. And I don't think that's actually a win for anybody. But that, that Jen, I, I think kind of goes to the one of the questions that we've talked about in the past is how much is too much in terms of the content that you are receiving from companies uh, and, and the like? Uh, because there are times where the consumer feels like they are, to a degree, overrun a little bit because of all the ads that they see. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's there's kind of two issues to tease out there. One is that there's so much advertising, and if you watch how it has crept into these social media platforms, especially just in the feed of posts that you're seeing, you know, that wasn't as big a thing a couple years ago, and the volume of them that are in there is sort of overwhelming. Um, if you're a social media company and your ads are less targeted, like Eric says, people are seeing stuff they're not interested in, to keep up the revenue that you're making, people actually engaging with those, it may mean we actually see more, and that's problematic. At the same time, like I think I'm maybe a little more sympathetic to the HUD position than Eric is, which is if we have you know these particular domains like housing, where you're not allowed to discriminate against people on uh, certain characteristics, then... I think it might be okay that I'm seeing ads for houses that I'm not interested in. Like the, I think the good that comes from really making sure that kind of discrimination is not happening, which it seems like it was in the cases that we're talking about with Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, if that means that these ads are less well-targeted and that they're getting to you know, more people who aren't interested, I think that could be okay. I think the discrimination win there is better than, you know, okay, so I have to see an extra ad. I guess, Eric, I will question whether or not we truly believe Facebook understood the problem from all of these other lawsuits that were brought forward by civil rights groups, uh, whether they truly understood what the problem was and if they were actually moving towards some sort of uh, some sort of correction of all of these algorithms. 
Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Facebook has broken many things in the law recently, um, and this is just another place where they made a series of choices that I understand how the executives made them, but in retrospect, they should have done something differently. It really doesn't make any sense to enable a self-service advertising tool that allows for sorting based on protected classifications. That just doesn't make any sense. In retrospect, I think everyone gets that. The question is, how far is Facebook willing to go to fix that? Um, and so. Are they willing to eliminate the self-service model? Are they willing to impose human pre-screening? They're willing now, only after litigation, to remove the protected classifications from certain categories of ads. Um, they aren't willing to disclose uh, information about users so that HUD can do monitoring for reasons I think Jen expressed very well. Um, and so we don't really know where their line is, but you know they're they're not offering a lot here. Um, you know, when once I saw the initial report about Facebook's uh, tools, to me the instant obvious answer was they have to do something different. It took years for Facebook to reach that conclusion. So they're definitely not willing to move very rapidly in fixing the problem. Jen. Yeah, and I, I agree with everything Eric said, and I think on top of that, uh, this is a problem that I run into a lot when I'm talking to engineers who want to like fully solve a problem, and I'm like, let's just fix the really critical part of this problem. You know, part of the issue with Facebook doing ads, I've I've placed ads on Facebook before, uh, really little ones, mostly to just kind of see how the system works, and it can be tricky to fully solve this problem because you can say, oh, I want it to be seen by people of this gender or in this zip code, but you also can target an ad including or excluding people who are interested like in a particular page that they can like. Right. And so, you know, as Eric mentioned, that can really closely map to or basically identify certain races or genders or say pregnant women. Um, and so Facebook having to identify which of every one of those pages is connected to a certain protected class is really difficult. And it could be that Facebook is looking at it like, oh, how do we deal with this whole, you know, massive problem that, you know, if we keep the same system, we have to do it this way. Mm -hmm. When, as Eric said, you could just look at it and say, okay, we need to stop this from happening. Implement the really, you know, brute force solution that totally takes care of the problem and then figure out how do you then reintroduce some of these filters that people could apply in a way that's fair. So what does this mean for social media companies in general, this this, uh, this suit being brought forward by HUD, Jen? And, and the fact is, I guess also Twitter is being reviewed as well. Yeah, and I believe Google also is being reviewed in these cases. Um, you know, I think it's it's something that comes back to this point that Eric raised with Section 230. You know, are these companies who are hosting lots of these ads and allowing people to target them going to have to start taking some responsibility uh, for the fact that they're being used in discriminatory ways? And I, I think we've seen that not just with housing, but in lots of cases. I think that the social media companies are kind of getting it in mind that that is something that they're going to have to do. Uh, you know, I think it will be different from each company. Facebook has been really reticent to uh, get in and kind of start controlling this, where companies like Google, who are doing massive amounts of advertising, seem like they've been paying a little more attention to it and been willing to kind of engineer a solution. But I think the time of just free-for-all, let people do whatever they want, is coming to an end, and, and the companies are starting to see that. Eric, your thoughts? Uh, I, I, I'm a bigger fan of Section 230 than perhaps Jen is, um, and perhaps even than most of your listeners. Uh, I think Section 230 is actually part of the solution here, not part of the problem. 
Uh, if we don't have Section 230, I don't think the Internet companies are going to be able to figure out how to navigate the choices that they want to make without incurring liability for whatever choice they end up making. So the idea is that Section 230 is going to enable them to triangulate towards better technological solutions without facing liability for each move that they make to get there. Um, having said that, I do think that the phrasing responsibility is helpful because putting aside the legal responsibility, I do think that the Internet companies have a greater responsibility to make sure that their tools are not being used to advance discrimination. That's such a non-starter, uh, you know, non-debatable proposition in my mind. Right. I don't think anyone really disagrees with it. Um, having said that, I do think that the impact of this particular move is going to be limited just to the small number of larger sites that have self-service advertising that allows for uh, targeting based on protective classifications. I think there's lots of other ad targeting that will not be affected by this. And in the end, I'm okay with that, although I understand why others might prefer a different outcome. But I, I would think, Eric, and this is something we brought up with Jen before, I'd love to get your thoughts on it, is that as these social media companies have kind of developed over the course of time, and you think back to Mark Zuckerberg, you know, in, in his dorm room at, at Harvard, uh, a lot of these issues were not things that, that were readily thought of uh, as these companies, as these entities were being developed out. And it's only now that we are seeing a lot of the, the, the social impact uh, of these, these issues coming up. Absolutely. The Internet is such a pervasive part of our lives that we have to think about how it affects our behavior in very obvious and sometimes subtle ways. Um, so the fact that uh, every time that we're just, uh, uh, given targeted content or targeted advertising, that choice is making uh, an effect on, on the people who are seeing it in ways that we don't fully understand and predict. I get all that. On the other hand, there's so much good things that have been enabled by the Internet that I think sometimes we take for granted. And before we lose sight of those, I want to make sure that we step back and say, how do we get to the point where the Internet became so pervasive? What is it that's allowed the Internet to, to proliferate so successfully? And what is it of those that we have to fight to preserve? Right. And then we have to look for the excesses and make sure that we car pull those back or carve those back. So I feel like this process with Facebook is a microcosm of that process overall, that Facebook has made a bunch of amazing things happen. They made a, a, a really stupid choice here. They're beginning to realize that they have to fix that, and we're, we're making progress towards doing that. I actually think that in the end, we'll say this was a healthy process, especially if it allows us to continue to get some of the benefits that Facebook enables. Jen, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I agree with what Eric has said. And I think, you know, we're at this place now where we like to complain a lot about social media, but it is a great thing and we all use it for a reason. Um, but I think and I've said this before on your show, that Facebook still in a way talks and likes to pretend that they operate sort of like a guy in a dorm room as opposed to a company that makes more money than a lot of countries do. And and I think that we're now well past the point where it's really important with every feature for these companies, not just Facebook, to ask themselves, what is the worst thing someone could do with this feature that we're going to introduce? Because time and time again, we see that people, in fact, do those worst things. And with a really good critical attention to that, to then put in just some basic protections. It's not going to prevent every terrible use of that feature, but to knock out a lot of the easy ways that it can be done. And so in this case, you say, all right, we're going to allow people to self-serve advertise. What's the worst thing people could do with it? This kind of falls in that space. People could yeah. discriminate against 
you know, race or religion or whatever. So let's put in some basic protections that's going to stop some of that. And I feel like we've seen over and over in the last couple of years that Facebook just didn't do that. And I think that now becomes part of their responsibility, not that they solve the problem entirely, but that they reasonably try to stop the worst things from happening. But the, the lack of the sharing of information, as you mentioned before, ends up being, a, I think, an, an important component here. And, and as you mentioned, uh, Facebook and, and other companies are are worried about the sharing of a lot of their data right now, even with the government. And uh, with the fact that, that they supposedly said no to housing and urban development on this information, I guess to a degree we shouldn't be surprised that the reaction by HUD was, okay, you want to say no to us? Okay, here comes a lawsuit. Jen? Yeah, uh, I think it's really problematic. And, you know, of course, Facebook doesn't want to be just releasing user details to anyone who decides to sue them. But I I think they have really developed a culture of not being transparent about this stuff, which has not served them well. Over and over, they're being reactive to these things. Um, I think transparency is one of these things in a much broader sense that we're going to have to see more of with the algorithmic issues, with the advertising issues, with the fairness issues. And right now, everybody's playing catch up to that. I think if they're, they embody that into new features that they're releasing into their cultures, um, you can do that in a way that's not compromising your competitive advantage, that's not compromising user privacy, but that does make things a lot more fair and a lot more transparent. So I'd like to see more of that, and hopefully we're inching towards it. Eric? Uh, yeah, again, uh, actually, Jen and I are great compliments because we agree on a lot of things, and there's a few points where we might disagree. But on this one, I'm 100% um, in agreement that really I think the, the problem wasn't the stress testing by Facebook of the tool and the fact that the government overreached in its demands for information. This is a common problem we see from other government regulators. Um, and uh, uh, so, for example, if you look at the battles that Airbnb has had and that Uber has had with some of the regulators, the uh, government always wants more information about users, and the Internet's are honeypots for them. I'm sorry, the Internet companies are honeypots for them. So for me, I think um, I'm, I'm glad Facebook stood up to them. I do think it led to the particular consequence. I do think that um, Facebook could have avoided all these problems with better controls in the beginning. Great having you both with us. Thank you, Jen. Thank you, Eric. All the best. Thank you. Thank you both. Uh, Jennifer Goldbeck at the University of Maryland, Director of the Social Intelligence Lab and Professor of Information Studies. Eric Goldman, Law Professor at Santa Clara University and Director of the High Tech Law Institute at that university. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 